Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Special extra issue, Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. Uh, we'll give you a short synopsis of the newest release uh, movie uh, from the MCU, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, it follows the events of Far From Home, uh, where Peter Parker, MJ, and Ned try to deal with the new reality that Spider-Man's identity has been revealed. Uh, Peter decides to take a visit to the Bleecker Street magician to make a wish that grants him more than he bargained for. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen the trailers, uh, I don't know why you would have seen the movie, but uh, that's basically the synopsis from that point. Uh, let's get into not caring about spoilers because the movie is finally fucking out and social media can't take anything from you. It's long synopsis time. All right, so... <clears throat> Peter makes a wish that the whole world doesn't remember who Spider-Man is, but then adds a bunch of last minute conditions that Dr. Strange didn't think uh, to suggest to him um, might be important, uh, which causes this spell to become unstable. It rips a tear in, in the fabric of reality and allows people who know Peter and remember him uh, and remember Spider-Man to like come through, which makes total, you know, multiversal <laughs> sense. Uh then there are alternate universe versions of the Green Goblin, Doc Ock, Sandman, uh, Lizard, and Electro uh, who come into this uh, MCU. And uh, Doctor Strange wants to send them back to the universes they came from where they'll all likely die. Uh, but Peter wants to help them. So he traps Doctor Strange in the mirror dimension and steals a, a MacGuffin box to send them home. Um, <clears throat> So Peter begins fabricating uh, gadgets and doodads that help save the villains, starting with the uh, inhibitor chip on Doc Ock's tentacles. Things go awry when the darker side of Green Goblin refuses to help and then turns on Peter. Um, you know, the rogues gallery flee, but not before the Green Goblin kills Aunt May. Um, Peter is joined by uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man to help fix the villains and send them back home. In the end, however, the Green Goblin triggered the chain reaction caused by the original spell, making the only solution for Peter Parker to be forgotten as Spider-Man by everyone. Peter saved the day, but everyone has forgotten him. Um, okay, so this, other than I think the power of the dog, this was the most hyped and anticipated movie of the year. Uh, what were you guys expecting and what were you genuinely shocked by from this movie? No one? I, Clark. All right. I was expecting exactly what I got because everything was so overanalyzed and spoiled as commercials and YouTubes and social media. So all I could say is I absolutely love the movie, but none of it was necessarily a surprise based on what everyone had already tossed out in terms of theories, rumors, and uh, excitement. But goddamn, that was a good movie. And they like literally knocked it out of the park for the content and the concept. Caleb? I was actually shocked that they brought in both Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield because I thought that was just like an internet rumor because, you know, you had the villains that were, we knew were coming in because we saw them in the trailer with Doc Ock, Green Goblin, uh, Electro, and so on and so forth. But the fact that they actually got the other two, I was like, 
it worked better than I thought it was going to because I was expecting that to be very, very, very cheesy. Uh, but it ended up having some of my most like favorite moments in the movie. Clark, I expected it only that only happened momentarily, like some sort of end Cameo. gag. Show up exactly. I didn't realize how necessary it was going to be. I also was surprised that that movie was an Andrew Garfield movie to me, and nothing else happened in it that I cared. <laughs> super redeeming of andrew garfield as spider-man like that i amazing spider-man 2 is fucking terrible and i I became a fan of his entire work (laughs) i didn't yeah Uh, i didn't realize that i that i was just lukewarm on tom holland spider-man until i watched this movie i was not shocked by anything because if you're going to bring in multiverse of like different realities and not bringing the spider-man associated with it and also they had a lot of press both toby mcguire and andrew garfield recently leading up to it without saying like hey i'm in the new spider-man it was it it was obvious i didn't think they would be in it this much kind of to clark's point but i think it kind of made sense if you're bringing in jamie fox in a shitty role you're gonna bring in who actually was slightly better in that role like you're gonna bring, except for Sandman, I think all of them got some time. Thomas Hayden uh, Church is the most important star of that movie. Oh my god! Remember when he got healed and then just didn't say anything the rest of the movie? Wow! I love the impactful. Yeah. When they thought, used the same footage from his movie 15 years. ago. I know. Ago, was that just him. found footage that they uh, like a re-release of their older movie? Like it, he was still wearing that same sure. sweater. Yeah. It was stupid. I loved it. Yeah. I ass- I assumed he was never going to transform back because H- Thomas Hayden Church was like, "I'll do the voice acting, but I'm not fucking coming back to this movie." <laughs> I-, I like I like when when Peter said, "Stay right here," and then the next second, Electro is blowing up the head from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, he got murdered. All right. And it, it, but to be fair, he did stay right there because even yeah. when he got evaporated at the end. Um, through multiverse of evaporation he just was like still in that one little place but so good good on him thomas there was one uh particular change from the trailer to the reality we saw which is that wong abstained rather than forbid strange wasn't that crazy that was insane i can't but okay so with wong though that's pretty interesting that he is the sorcerer supreme I, I like that yes. little note. And it makes sense because someone's got to be it during the blip. Yeah, for sure. It, what, uh, Wong is really getting a lot more coverage and airtime throughout all of the movies, which is what I really fucking love because I enjoy that actor. And I really enjoy what is basically this... Uh, not they're obviously not gay but like man if they aren't married. Like the two of them are have really funny chemistry together and it is like this old bickering married couple that I just want to see more of. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about where Dr. Strange is going. Uh, Kaylin, you were going to say something? Yeah, just quickly on Wong. I think it's a great redemption of how the character was originally portrayed in the comics as an Asian manservant, you know, to a white man. It's just, it's just, it's incredibly problematic and very, very dated and making him somebody who is, you know, Steven's equal uh, and having that kind of like, you know, uh, Tracy Hepburn uh, or, or I'm sorry, uh, Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy kind of like, you know, uh, back and forth, like old married couple vibe. It's it's great. 
Nice. Well, let's talk about the other power couple in the room, Doctor Strange and Peter Parker. Are they the daddy twin couple you always wanted to ship? They're a toxic couple. They're toxic. Like, they they don't get along, really. Peter's obviously trying to recreate the Tony and him dynamic, or even Mysterio and him, and it's just not working out. He's, uh, clearly, it's just not going to go well. And I and I kind of like that because he's always kind of looking for a father figure, but he does not find it in Doctor Strange whatsoever. Yep. Kalen. Every, oh, sorry. I, uh, I was definitely shipping uh, Peter Parker and Matt Murdock. I'm not the only one, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that cameo a little bit. Uh, yeah. I loved it. I, I thought I, it was great. It made it made a lot of sense to me. There, yes, it totally makes sense, and he would get him out of it, but it was literally like, there was rumors swirling, like, is he going to be in the movie, blah, 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 and then they just, the beginning part of the movie, they're like, he's in it, who cares, let's move on, like, he just mm-hmm. literally slammed it down, like, that's how the scene starts of, like, him it's slamming great. something down, and like, shut up, everyone, he's in it. <laughs> Eric, what were you going to say? I went back with something else. That was just like, oh, look, here's a brick. I stopped it. Now we're in the next scene. Go on. <laughs> I did. Well, even just like, even like Peter's like overall problems, he's like, uh, don't worry. You're not, a, you're like public enemy number one, but no one's going to arrest you. We solved it. You're okay. Like yeah. none of it made any sense. I did it through legal stuff. <laughs> did any of you guys feel like the movie theater we saw it in had somewhat weird responses to the appearances of characters? Like Matt Murdock shows up and people like it seemed like they fake lost their mind because oh. he had been, you know, rumored so much to be in the movie, as well as, you know, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, that like there's like one section of our movie theater that's like, <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, sorry, sorry, you, you were know what to <laughs> I don't know who was good on your side, but my, my side was reasonable. Oh, well, <laughs> on my side of the movie theater. There was actually some people who were just talking and then they would go, one of them would go answer a phone and then come back. They'd have uh-huh. some more chit chat. And at a oh. certain point I had to say, by the way, we're watching a movie. No, and you said, said, excuse me, yeah. we're watching a movie here. <laughs> it's like, like a real New Yorker. It really yeah. brought me into the movie no more. <laughs> well, hey. what can I, I'm from Queens. What can I say? <laughs> But then what did Kaylin respond back? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, let's go. Let's see. What do we want to talk about? Let's go into characters overall. So let's go further on Aunt May. So what a movie for Aunt May. um, Really kind of. And what a movie for his overall story arc, right? So they've kind of replaced and telegraphed the Uncle Ben storyline on Now Aunt May. What did you guys think about that? What did you guys think about the overall portrayal and the journey of the character? Um, and how did you know this young, hot Marissa Toe Aunt May work for you versus the other, you know, elderly but still very beautiful women that played Aunt May previously? Beautiful and smart. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Brent, go ahead. I feel like in the, you know, in the movies compared to the comics, Aunt May has existed as this character like, you know, she's this sweet old woman Therefore, you're obviously supposed to be invested in her safety and protection. And she just kind of exists as this defenseless character that you have to, you're supposed to worry about. But ultimately, you just see them as this, you know, prop um, for the plot. And I think this was, you know, really the first movie that 
you actually had her have agency. And, you know, I think that her line of, you know, saying that what they did was right, even if it cost her her life, was a much more powerful moment because she was actually put into the middle of the action and she was actually doing something. Nice. I cried very heavily after that fake out of like, I'm fine. No, I'm not. I'm dead. But I thought yeah. that was really well handled. Clark? I didn't think it was well handled at all. The moment she picked up that bag and went down the stairs, I knew she was dead. Every single second, dead, dead, dead. She gets up. Oh, I'm fine. She's slightly like slow walk, quiet a bit. Like she's going to be bleeding sometimes. She's going to be dead. She's going to be dead. She's going to be dead. And it felt totally numb to me just because it was desperate to make us think it's going to subvert that she's going to die, blah, blah, blah. But it just, I don't know. I felt, I don't know. I well, Clark, you've, you've seen at least 10 people die like that in real life. So you're very yeah. used to that. So I guess I won't do that in front of you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's my fucked up hover plane that's killing them. I understand. That. <laughs> I, it, uh, it just, it, it felt, it felt more like she was just a prop to me than in previous ones. No, when that well, and the, I, I I liked the first one better, but I don't know. It just it just felt very weak to me. I liked her better in the pre, the two previous movies she was in. I don't know. I don't know. Bummed out that it wasn't. I didn't feel anything for it. Kaylin, I am actually in agreement with Clark a little bit because it was telegraphed that she was going to die when she even before the staircase scene that Clark referenced. It's when she keeps telling Peter, "You have." <laughs> like you have to do this because you have this power it's like oh mm -hmm. one of them's gonna kill her off and it's probably yeah. gonna be green goblin and what i liked about the tom holland inclusion in the mcu tom holland and spider-man in the mcu is like we didn't need to see the whole you know dead relative inspiring him to be a superhero and when she did the with great power must come great responsibility mm -hmm. yeah it's a nice moment in the movie it, itself but in retrospect i was like this was unnecessary. I liked that, like, I liked that he had a parental figure who was there, not, like, trying to stop him from being a hero, but, like, supporting him being a hero. I liked that, like, there were people in his life that knew who he was. And obviously, you know, the whole conceit of the movie is, at the very end of it, like, nobody knows who he is anymore. So uh, it kind of takes away something that I've enjoyed about the MCU Spider-Man. So I, I felt very kind of eh, about it. And plus, I love Marissa Tomei. She's phenomenal. I'm sad she won't be in these movies anymore. Right. I get it because, um, yeah, we, we missed that moment, that Uncle Ben dying moment. Uh, I think a lot of people were waiting for that is the only thing is that, like, how does he, because how is that tragic moment, like, uh, how is Peter really like the Peter or the Spider-Man that we know? Um, I don't know if we necessarily needed it, but I, I don't mind this moment. It just does make me think, like, did Uncle Ben literally say the same thing before he died? <laughs> like, he so is, like, is it like a weird foreshadowing, like, I'm about to die? Well, like, did they... That, that, that was going to be my clarifying question of, like, did they, in the MCU, ever qualify what happened to the Uncle Ben besides he was dead? Because when when both Andrew and Toby both talked about, obviously to uh, Garfield was more focused on um, Gwen Stacy's death, which was obviously phenomenal. We'll talk about that and how they connected that through. But like, you would have thought that, you know, 
I don't think, I think it's really Uncle Ben just died and like nobody, nothing really happened. He was just some nobody. I mean, I still have headcanon that wow. he's um, Joe Pesci as my cousin Vinny, which is great. Uh, but I don't think Marissa Tomei Mary. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Totally. It's a, it's okay, all one cool. big universe. I'm surprised he didn't come through a portal. Yeah, the My Cousin Vinny CU. The VCU. Uh, Clark? I mean, I, I guess it was she had to die. It was necessary for where they were going. The, the, there, we will talk about the issues involved with the whole Peter Parker isn't Spider-Man thing and how it relates to everyone going forward. If she was around, that would be non-functional for her to understand. Right. Um, well, so and the necessity necessity for that one scene between three the three Spider Men and the you know the most important line of all time um, would not have hit if she's just kind of ch- chilling around in the background pissing or something. I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> she was pissing most of the <laughs> movies. Yeah, she would just well, write a. She would become like a book author and just write a book called "With Great Power Comes Great Responsibility." And like you so would randomly see a billboard of it. It would and be would called Spider Man Unmasked. Don't 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 pretend. And then she would lose all her book sales once this spell went through. That would suck. So, so, so would you say that they fridged Aunt May? They like I say mini fridge. Well, yeah, mini fridge. Say. Well, let's talk about uh, you know what each of the Spider Men and uh, what their you know kind of relationship to Tom Holland means. So, like with Aunt May. With each of the Spider-Men, are they supposed to be defined by this tragedy? Like, is that an essential part of Spider-Man's character? And is it an essential part of the Aunt Mays and the Uncle Bens of the universe to die as a part of that journey? Like, does, are, are we all living in the Loki version of character building that all of your choices are part of this larger frame and you're just fulfilling some archetype? I mean, I mean I know that's I, the nature of storytelling, but I guess I mean, in specifically in the context. No, y- yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Claire. Uh, what was it? it? It's definitely, it's definitely, it's the raison d'être of Spider-Man. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like sending with Batman. Bruce, like Bruce Wayne has to see his parents die for him to become Batman. Spider-Man has to see an Uncle Ben die, or I guess in this case, not May die for him to be a hero. The only, the weird thing is, is like he's already a hero. He's already donned the Spider-Man costume, uh, you know, when he hears the line from May about great power and great responsibility. I do, I like, I did like this switch up because the thing that's always gotten to me is particularly about Maguire's and then just in general, like this sort of like lazy man, Spider-Man who's like, hey, like, you fucked me over, so I'll fuck you over. I don't need to stop this robber that's going to randomly fucking kill my uh, parent figure. Whereas yeah, with this, I... Right? Whereas with this, I really liked it because I think to that point, like, it, to your point, Kaylin, like, he already was a hero. He was trying to be the hero by solving the dilemma, and it still fucked him over, but it was still the right thing to do. So I kind of like that switch where it's like he didn't necessarily learn a lesson he just learned to reinforce that what he was doing was the right thing so i thought that was like a cool and better fit than like not the lazy but i think the archetype of wow i really learned that i have to be better and more just like reinforce like you can't ever give up kind of thing and so i don't know i liked i liked that part of how they switched up why she would say it and what he learned from the the process right um 
in that weird game of like whose trauma is the worst that they were all playing. <laughs> um, I my uncle Ben died. Oh well, my my girlfriend Gwen Stacy died. Um, excuse me. So let me give you a monologue about me. <laughs> well, well Tom anyways... should have been like, well, my aunt May literally just died. <laughs> yeah. He wins that argument, honestly. Yeah. But um, I, I do think you need to see some on-screen nonsense. Um, I think one critique that people are like, we know the origin story. We don't want to see it. But I think this is unfortunately vital for Tom Holland's Spider-Man to do it. And I cried. I cried. I'll say it. I cried. They played and it really well. Yeah. And he didn't come for me. Just okay. <laughs> I think their inclusion uh, was smart at that moment so that they could get clear the air that they have like this huge, deep emotional connection. And then later when they're on the Statue of Liberty, all the jokes, I think, play better because they're not immediately going into the laughs when they first meet. Um, yeah. How would you guys have liked if another Spider-Man from across a different universe showed up? No, we didn't have enough space for these three. Yeah. <laughs> but what if the movie was like an hour longer? No. Did you, did you all feel like they basically, and I really liked the way they used Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and that's like I said, I think it like actually recovered and rehabilitated the two amazing Spider-Man movies. But like, did you feel like they basically were just like, let's take the old Spider-Man from Into the Spider-Verse and just make it Andrew Garfield's new character type? Because like, they, I couldn't get over, like they're obviously very different movies, but they very clearly had the same kind of like teaching moments and conversations and connection. And I couldn't get over the fact that I'm like, they're the exact same character, it's just that some, somebody different died in their life. I thought that character was split between Toby and... And yeah, agreed. because Toby is like old and he refuses to put his like <laughs> costume on fully. Like, so I think they split that. Also, yeah, him some, using the cane. Also, a <laughs> holding a bite. A friend of ours, we were watching it, and the entire movie, he was just like, uh, Toby McGuire looks terrible. And I was like, shut the fuck. Like, he was like, he looked good. I, I thought he, he looked look great. Bad. I thought he looked great. Up. Yeah. Aged, I think he's aged quite well. Also, he uh, was I did thirty when he was playing a <laughs> teenager, so maybe cut him some slack. I don't know. Kalen, sorry, just a rant. No, no, you're no, you're fine. Um, I uh, did like the little um, kind of Easter egg with Electra saying, you know, you're from Queens, like you help people. Yeah, I just thought you were. I just thought you were black. You know, maybe there's a, <laughs> a black Spider-Man out there. And Andrew Garfield's like. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, no, but I agree with you, Ryan. About like I felt like the older Spider-Man from Into Spider-Verse was definitely split between uh, both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Toby, Toby's Spider-Man being like kind of a guy who's at peace with himself, mm -hmm. clearly older. Pro like in my head, he's married to MJ. They may yeah. even have like May, like May Parker, you Spider know, Spider Babies, Spider Babies, <laughs> and 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 Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is the one that's incredibly bitter. The one that's like probably like, you know, uh, become almost like a little bit more like the Punisher, like crossed yeah. the line uh, yeah. because of his rage and and just grief over Gwen Stacy dying. Clark? His life just seems horrible and sad at all times. Right. <laughs> Andrew Garfield or that Spider-Man? Well, Tony McGuire, McGuire just seems like he doesn't care about anything. He's just like talks about right. his wife in the most like glib, boring way possible where he's oh. like, we she's still there i guess and we're fine and, and then, <laughs> you're like wow thanks for telling us fucking nothing 
No, well, Andrew Garfield's character, it's, it's, I mean, the, the fact that he can still laugh through all the horrible stuff he's clearly been going through the last, who knows, 10 years of his character's life is good. It's, it was depressing and interesting. And that's why I liked him the best. What I was going to say, how rewarding, well, I thought it was, I never know with you, Claire, but how rewarding was it when he got to save this MJ, Zendaya's character? I was like, yeah. our, I mean, the audience in our group was like, oh my God. And I and I was like tearing up. I was like, and when he and again, teared I up too. hated that. I mean, Harry Gwen Stacy's death in Amazing Spider-Man 2 is amazingly well done, but the movie was fucking terrible. But like, my God, I like, it brought tears of joy and like, so much emotion was in that scene, like really, really well done and a great journey for that fucking character. That annoyed me because from the trailer, the second I saw Zendaya falling, I'm like, Tom Holland can't be there to save him. It's got to be the Andrew Garfield. That's going to uh, help make the assist. I am very happy because I stopped watching the trailers after a while. <laughs> I did not see that happening. And I hoped it was happening when the, when the actual movie was when, when she fell and it did. So I, I was, I was on board with Adam with like the feeling, you know, like the, the wistful, not tears, uh, like moist face situation. It was, it was very good. It made me happy for him. Hey, when all the villains were fighting uh, Spider-Man's on the uh, uh, Statue of Liberty, what do you think the Green Goblin was doing? <laughs> Probably making those slice. little bites. In this alternate universe, the slices are so much better. Oh, yeah. And he's just laughing as he's adding more like red pepper flakes onto it, you know? Like lemon slice, that drink from the 80s. He's just drink chugging. Oh, yeah. oh that slice. They I, still have tab in this universe. You well, it's get like, tab. You know I that. Think, uh, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I hope it was mainly just like, Willem Dafoe was just like, pay me a lot of money. And they're like, fine, you'll get a couple of scenes. Because <laughs> it was a bit odd that they were like, sure, we'll just bring you in at the end for no reason. It's, but okay, so. He's the, he's the, so he all was these characters. the best are, actor in that movie. Oh, so I found these characters, and this is a weird thing for me. All these characters are pulled from different uh, points in time from a similar, like, space. So, like, Toby Maguire is older than Willem Dafoe when he fought him. And then also the Doc Ock as well. So they're all pull, pulled from different points. So to your point, I think he's just checking out the new technology. Because mm. like I'm sure it's advanced a lot. I'm sure like he's just like, whoa, what is this? There's actually flying hovercrafts anyway. It's definitely, it's definitely right because uh it, they're because uh those characters would be dead. Right. At the point when yeah. the Spider-Man came in. So they brought him in when they were still alive. Right that. I, I know it's a movie, but <clears throat> for them to pick two realities <laughs> and do two different times up, like it just it it's a lot. It's a lot of what ifs, I feel like. What if, what if they just dragged in a bunch of corpses? Like when the when, when <laughs> oh, yeah. dead green goblin corpses flying oh, around. Oh, and there's the Gwen Stacy's corpse. Like that, yeah. I think that would be yeah. good for Andrew Garfield, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Willem Dafoe was definitely fucking killing it. I have to give credit to, I don't know who the cinematographer for the movie was, but also just John Watts as the director. Like, I think the Spider-Man movies have consistently had really good and thoughtful cinematography. And like, really, there's always like one or two really cool scenes. And um, I lost my shit during the moment of watching uh, Green Goblin flip. Because that like scene, like just them using the uh, Spidey sense and using the constant like zoom in camera angle and that like 
cloud of confusion that Peter found and like kind of looking around the room, trying to think of who was it is like, obviously it was going to be, uh, you know, Osborne, but like that scene was just handled so meticulously well from like an overall design perspective. And I, again, another thing that I just like, the minute I saw that, I was like, I love this fucking movie. Cause it's like just so thoughtful of how they approach and use abilities and use the characters and conversations that they've had over like, what this is, three, two, it's like almost eight movies, right? So it really is, I think people have been comparing to like, you know, an end game of Spider-Man movies and it it is, like it really did combine so many bits and pieces, but I thought that was, that was amazing scene. So the Green Goblin, uh, you know, he got a glow up. They immediately crushed his mask in the first (laughs) second we see him. And then he's dressed like a homeless person for the rest of the movie. Uh, Electro gets a glow up or a glow down because he's not blue anymore. Uh, what did you think about the characterization of the other villains? Um, you know, Doc Ock returning to his normal self after getting an in- inhibitor chip. Sandman just kind of hanging around. Uh, and Electro wanting power, power. Please give me more power, power, power. Well. I want to quickly go back since that's the phrase I always use in these. Um, I thought it really worked really well with Green Goblin when basically you feel like he shows up at feast and he has Alzheimer's basically is what it seems mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And it's just like powerfully depressingly works really, really well. And then suddenly the flip is so opposite and hor- so horrifying that I think I, that was, I think he, he worked much better in this one than I think than he did in the original spider Oh, agreed. I agree of that ability to change it's <clears throat> so green goblin is over the top in the original movies that he's in uh but we've never really seen that in the mcu where someone is so unbalanced and so crazy that it, it brings a level of uh like menace that you we've never really seen like our current spider-man have so i really dig that he's in this context too because he literally cannot he just was trying to figure him out and like trying to like make him a human and it was not working at all so i i really digged how scary he actually was uh who doesn't work for being a crazy person is alfred molina's uh youth acting like i really like doc Ock, and <laughs> i thought like yeah <laughs> I thought they, I forgot about the inhibitor chip until they solved it. And then his obviously overall, like Alfred Molina is a really good actor. And then the character like came full circle and made sense. But like his like angry raucous with like the, you know, de-aging technology, something about it just didn't sit right with me. I was like, this doesn't feel like the Doc Ock that I remembered so regally from the original Spider-Man. Also, they made him younger than what he was. was Like in the movie, right? He he was like 18 in this movie. (laughs) It's so weird, but and it, it was just such a big opening part of getting all of them together. And I was just like, part of me, it sometimes was just like, this feels very forced. And then once they fixed him and he became like the thoughtful doctor again, I'm like, oh, right. This was the character that I remembered from the original movie that I liked so much. I think it's interesting that for these movies, it feels like for the villains, you need to really have invested in the prior movies the prior multiversal movies because the character uh you know max dylan electro this you know he was set up to be this kind of uh unrespected uh you know loser who gave a lot to new york but didn't get anything return and so he wants this actual power to 
you know, stand up for himself and never be looked down on again. And this movie didn't have any of that. It was just a guy who was kind of like <laughs> power. power. But if you've seen the, the prior stuff, it feels like, okay, it kind of fits, even if it feels somewhat flimsy and, you know, classic villain. I just want to take over the world type vibes. Brian? Uh, to be fair, he did get hot. <laughs> so he was like, I'm hot now in this reality. So I want to keep it. So what, there's something there. There's something like if, there. Yeah, if you, okay, if you teleported to another reality and they were like, we're going to send you back and you'd be dead and blue, but they'd be like, but if you stay here, you'll be hot and powerful. But of course you fucking know he not. was like, he had that weird like comb over and like uh, he had a greasy face and stuff like that. Like, so like he had a glow up. I mean, obviously not the same, but like, I don't know. Makes sense. Um, I wouldn't so, kill people, wait, but <laughs> where I have a quick like clarify the biggest uh, Andrew and I, my boyfriend, have talked to all this fucking time about the lizard. Why the fuck was I mean, I know they needed another person just to throw in, but the lizard didn't die. The lizard got cured. So I'm like confused as to where and how they brought the they needed um, a villain from the first Amazing Spider-Man. That's the reason why. Oh, no, I yeah. know that. But I hate that there was no real context to why he would like they they did that throwaway line where they're like wait did you die and they just like cut off like it was obviously like a tongue-in-cheek joke about it but it was annoying that they didn't even really talk about the fact that the lizard like where he was pulled out of and why he was pulled out of doesn't really make any sense that's why he was already in the cage because they're like don't worry about it (laughs) (laughs) i assumed it was because he Want, he wants to stay as a li- lizard, doesn't he? In some ways, you know, he wants this lizard superiority thing that the villain. <laughs> he, he, he wants to make I, everyone I, a lizard. Yeah, he doesn't want to cure cancers. He wants to make the, dinosaurs. The, yeah, exactly what I was thinking. But no, that's that is what the lizard does at some point, and that's what the character was doing for a while in there. Right. But he doesn't want to go back to where he was normal again. But I, I don't quite understand what the fuck they were doing with um. With I oh, just lost his fucking name. Sandman. Sandman's like, I just want to go back and see my daughter. Except for now, for some reason, gonna be mad at you and want to stay here, even though that um, was forced. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. I don't. He wa- he wanted to turn everyone into sand people. I think that's usually where <laughs> everyone's brain goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have special powers, so I want to give them to everyone possible. <laughs> so, what do you guys make of? I think Spider Man views these characters or the Tom Holland Spider-Man views these characters as victims that they are people who need who just still deserve help even if they've done horrible things I thought um, this was an entry point to the to talking about other people like Ned yeah let's talk about Ned <laughs> <laughs> so view them um, as victims that, that can be fixed with some like special toys whatever that magically <laughs> undo whatever they've done but do you guys feel like it robs any of their agency that they were characters who, you know, in their own universes sought this power and in a Faustian bargain got something they didn't expect? Or maybe that they're now, you know, changed by the power that they got. Uh, Kalen? Yeah, this is where I'm like, I was completely on the side of Doctor Strange. It's like, send them back. You know, they made these decisions. And, you know, if that means that it leads to their ultimate death, that's on them. They're the ones who did this to themselves for, for whatever reason. And uh, that's where, like, I started losing myself in the movie a little bit, where, I, like, I get Spider, Spider-Man needs to be the selfless hero, but, like, it was like, this was selfless to a fault. Uh, and, I mean, it led to, you know, a, 
like a chain reaction of things from like Aunt May's death to, you know, maybe, you know, like the, the incursions of all the multiverses coming into, you know, the MCU, uh, all of it. And it was just like, it's, it's, it's Peter's like all too selfless act from his maternal figure that led him to this. And Dr. Strange was like, just fucking send them home. I'm sorry. We got to like, like, this is bigger than like your need to, to, uh, to be a, you know, to be a Christ figure here, to be a savior. I think overall that was my main problem with the movie. And I was worried that I was going to be the only one who thought this way. And I was going to be some sort of demon from hell. Like hundred <laughs> percent. I agreed with Dr. Strange so, so much that I hated Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I didn't, I didn't really like the movie because I, I just felt like this is unreasonable. This is stupid. I know he's a teenager and I guess I get it, but I don't like this movie until they started like Andrew Garfielding it up. I, 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 these characters should have just gone back and died. I don't care. Just let them die. Now, now, and now maybe they're fixed, but they're still maybe maybe they'll still go back and die. We don't know what's going to happen when they when they the, zoom back there. We don't know. Maybe their yeah, corpses. Doc, Doc Ox inhibitor chip immediately explodes. <laughs> and yeah, we don't know. I don't. I don't know whether this fucking fixed anything. Right. Uh, um. Yeah, so the beginning of the movie starts like, well, everyone will uh, forget me, blah, blah, blah. That would be such a shame. And then the end of the movie, everyone forgets them, but there's more people dead. So <laughs> maybe they should have just gone through with it at the end. And they could have had that weird cafe scene with Zendaya at the end. Like in maybe Save two hours. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think, honestly, I think- it was a kind of a, when you really think about it, they should have just done it. And like, because that was the, cost for everything i but they are playing up the naiveness of him because he is i mean and i'm gonna say the actor even tom holland is so naive so but like (laughs) you you just need to like we needed to go through that journey unfortunately but it was a tough one to watch but you we had to go through it well yeah and i think i think you're right right in the sense that like this we were talking obviously about the on may stuff and like tom uh tom i was like using everyone's real names like peter parker being uh truly like a hero already but it was i think to your point it's a naive hero it's the naive hero who thinks they can save everybody can do everything and like the answer is that they can't and so i thought i think hindsight obviously 2020 i'm sure he'd be like wait if i could go back in time and just redo this i probably might have made a slightly different choice but he did save those six people um and then potentially saved a bunch yeah. of people that they might have killed or otherwise um yeah i Clark, it's a fucking kids movie. They everybody went back and was happily ever after, except for Aunt May. She was in the ground, uh, and everybody forgot who Spider Man was. But like, yeah, they definitely like lead into like it's a positive journey. I do wish what I was going to say is that I wish they had probably done some more expository dialogue on why Peter felt that way. I feel like there was probably some they could have used like the Mysterio relationship that like there was probably a way to solve or help Mysterio. Like, I feel like they didn't connect enough about how his, like, p- past failings or, like, something. I wish there was more of, like, he didn't get to save a villain previously, so he really wanted to try this time around. Like, some sort of, you know, like we said, stupid, misguided mission, I but like at that. least give it more gravitas. I like that. I mean, that. That helps me, actually. Do you know what I wish I had seen? I wish I would seen more of Betty Brandt dipping her toe into the QAnon pool. 
I was not expecting that sentence, Clark. So thank you. <laughs> Why wasn't she in it more? They hit well, too, enough. too much. She wasn't in One enough. One scene was too much for y'all. <laughs> I, that's well, what I wanted. I wanted her to, to hang out with um whatever Ned. the fucking no- yeah. news. Her social media is problematic, so I get it, you know. So for characters like uh, Zendaya and Ned, <laughs> how did you feel uh, about their inclusion? Uh, did you like uh, the romance between MJ and Peter? I, I thought Ned uh, was done really well. I thought that yeah. all, the hu- all of his humor really landed. I think every time Ned appears, I'm like, it just sucks me out of the movie. I'm like, this is the most boring thing I've seen in my life. It's not an in- <laughs> interesting character. Ned is not fun, interesting. I, I just I hate it. I hate it. But I he hate can it. do magic when it's convenient. It's, it's what about so that? Oh yeah. Oh, actually, I did hate that. Nothing about him I find funny. I don't find it funny. His grandmother though is fantastic. That scene was cute. I like that. Which the characters make her be Ned, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well then, Clark, you must nope. have loved the. Oh, sorry, Kevin, were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say the romance. I liked it. I think it was it wasn't overdone. It made it was perfectly fine. I I think of um, all three versions of Spider Man. This is the romance that like works best for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't think the original MJ and um, and Peter from the Tobey Maguire movies like I just never believed their chemistry, even though it has that iconic iconic like upside down kiss. Yeah. And uh, I thought Andrew Garfield and uh, Emma Stone had a lot of chemistry, but they were just in a bad movie, bad yep. movies, I should yeah. say. And so just whatever. So like, this is finally a chemistry in a, in, a, in a good movie, in a good movie trilogy. Don't you like that the pinnacle of straight romance in movies is to have a kiss? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, in front of a sunset or something really shiny behind you, you got to have that. Yeah. A solar flare, you got to have it. So that, that, uh, yeah, I was just, I, that was the only part that I was just like, my God, how many fucking times do you have to kiss in front of a son? Like, I, cause they're, and they're not, their relationship is so like understated and just generally fun. I do like the chemistry that they have, uh, both as actors, but as well as the characters. Like, I think I was literally lukewarm on the MJ character from Homecoming, but over the three movies, I've really appreciated that, like, she's, very active she like is part of that friend circle like it's not this over heavy like you were saying Kaylin overplayed you know typical heteronormative romance it was like they were at least a slightly they didn't fit the the biggest archetype so I I appreciated that and have enjoyed that um and again she was okay go ahead did Kirsten Dunst and Tommy McGuire fuck ever that's right, because everybody else dated. That was why they never like, had any chemistry. Do you count That's what I mean. Stuff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Check out their OnlyFans. It's pretty I good. Want, yeah, I want all three Spider-Man and, and romantic opposites to have been together at some point in time. I, want all yeah, three I don't know. Spider-Man, I don't, the fuck. I don't know what you... Um, there, there's... I mean, okay, this is a gay podcast, right? So there are some vibes that you're just like, they're kind of gay together, right? Yeah. I, I can see it as like, yeah, like a pan couple that are just going to open up later in college. Yeah, I can see Andrew and Toby together. And Tom oh, is the oh, one they invite oh, into their bedroom. And Andrew's really into it. But Toby's like, I don't know. Like, so like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, I think Toby would be into it. And Andrew would be like, oh, babe, I thought this was going to be about us. 
but yeah, Andrew he does like, act out, yeah, so that makes but, sense. Actually, but yeah. Toby, Toby's like the more mature, like I just want to fuck figure, and Andrew's like the. I mean, I guess I'm just doing it because like, and, and Toby's like, babe, you asked for this. I'm doing this for you. <laughs> yeah. Toby and Andrew are the couple that looks at uh, Tom Holland and goes, "Yeah, we really like your vibe." Yes. <laughs> ill, ill, so accurate. I, Ew. I will say. I mean, not I to, hate this conversation so much. Well, and that's I well, was. It's part say, of the movie, Caitlin. So get into it. <laughs> yeah. That, well, I they cut it. the scene. They cut the scene about the back cracking. That's how it started. Oh uh, God. Well, was I it was just you or who I was sitting next to, Brent. That was like. That was hot. Well, okay. It was it was the same person who said Toby Maguire looks tired. <laughs> <laughs> old. He said old, old. He screamed yeah. old into the theater. Um, <laughs> I, I was gonna say, like, I know we were obviously just joking, and it's always fun to like match up, obviously, straight, seemingly written, acted, what have you, straight characters on screen. Um, but I really did like uh, and I didn't mention this yet, like. It was like very positive masculinity. I love these like three f- bros who are just like having a good time, shooting some shit. They're all big fucking nerds. But like mm-hmm. the energy was like so positive through all of them. They were all like really cool, interesting, multidimensional. Like Peter Parker is just such a great character and it shows Literally in all three of these. Yeah, right. And it shows in all these instances. But like I just thought that was such a cool thing to do. Like there's no bravo- bravado. There's like, because even, you know, with Falcon and Winter Soldier, great cast, like great characters, but there's still this like a little bit of machismo, Dick even if it's more like, a, exactly, yeah. even though it's like a more secure, more less toxic like version of that. But like, there was none of that here. They were all just like empathetic, emotionally connected. Like, I just thought it was a really cool play uh, to, to really have that, that kind of friendship and scenario. They hugged as brothers. I thought that was so cute. Like, I just like yeah. really enjoyed all those. It was very wholesome. I. I could I could have seen at any point in time Andrew Garfield's character um, being gay or being que- uh, queer in some way, like yeah. it would have been yeah. believable had that they he, pulled the, that out. Even three, that he said sense. that he said that even I think when in either after the movies or even as he was filming them that like he wouldn't mind if Peter Parker or he wanted Peter Parker his Peter Parker to be bisexual or pansexual. Well, there you go. I felt it. I felt it through the screen, Andrew. Well, y'all. Let's go on down to the trailer park because we got a bona fide trailer. Uh, and we got actually, actually got a real trailer trailer, a, a, a showing of a movie that happens at the end of the movie you're currently watching, <laughs> uh, which is why they're called trailers in the first place because they trail the movie. Uh, so uh, we got to look at Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, what did you guys think of this trailer? We saw a bunch of villains from dark Doctor Strange to Mordo, uh, Shuma Gorath. Uh, we got some Wanda um, as Scarlet Witch. What do you think of the trailer overall, um, Clark? I, I didn't, I hated it. And I didn't hate it because of what was in it. I hated it because of what was in it. I didn't want to see all that. I want to see a fucking what? trailer for this. I want to see a teaser. I don't want to see a fucking trailer. I want to see like a nice sting bit where a scene that happens. I just, I, I literally shut down partway through. Um, we didn't talk about it earlier. Uh, it's exactly connected. Um, I do not like the portrayal of Doctor Strange at all. I hate his voice. I hate his voice. I hate his American accent. I just watched um, Power of the Dog earlier. I hate his American accent so much that every time he's on screen, I just want to throttle him. 
that I just, I don't, I didn't enjoy well, it. What, what do you want, Clark? You want an American to play an American in one of these MCU movies? Fuck no, off. Just, That's never going to happen. Many, no, he, for some reason, I just, he's the one person that I hate his American accent. And I've seen it in five or six things now. And it just is would not you, believable. Would me. you mind if they just made Dr. Strange British and he just kept his British accent? That'd yeah. be fine with me. I'd be totally fine with it just because I don't like his American Asgardian accent. Asgardian is just Australian. Like, who the fuck cares, basically? <laughs> they really don't care. Kaylin. Uh, so this is the second time that Marvel has done the tra- a trailer after a movie. The first time was with Captain America First Avenger, where the uh, post-credit uh, stinger is actually... It's very much just a trailer for the Avengers, which came out a year later. Uh, so I didn't, I was like, okay, they've done this before. It felt kind of weird. But look, I was already excited for Multiverse of Madness. And this, the trailer actually added to that. I thought it looked great. I loved, uh, obviously, we knew Wanda was going to be part of it. But just seeing her in her uh, more comics accurate outfit for the Scarlet Witch, like definitely made me geek out. All the weird, like cool shit that was at the end of the original Doctor Strange movie, like the the reality bending shit like in there. I'm like, I'm there for it. Uh, it. It did its job of getting me excited for a movie that's coming out in a few months. So No Way Home was originally supposed to come out after Multiverse of Madness, but because of COVID and the dec- decision to release it before, they made some rewrites and did some reshoots. Um, what did you think of no, Way's ho- no Way Home's placement kind of in the most recent sequence of Marvel movies and teeing up the multiverse of madness now. Like, or sorry, not movies. I mean, uh, TV shows and uh, Black Widow, who cares? Uh, Kalen? I, I would think it'd be weird that it just came out after multiverse, uh, multiverse of madness. I think like this came out exactly where it needed to, even to the point, it's a small detail, but we've been watching Hawkeye and uh, reviewing it on our regular episodes where uh, Yelena, when she's talking to Kate Bishop in her apartment, saying this is her first time in New York, she's going to go to be a tourist, and she talks about seeing the new, or the, the improved Statue of Liberty. And I was wondering if it's like, oh, did they add uh, Captain America's shield to the Statue of Liberty, which they obviously did. So uh, that was like a fun little Easter egg right there. Uh, so it makes a perfect sense to me. I, I had no idea that it was supposed to come out after Multiverse. Yeah, it's it's fun the placement of Hawkeye just putting that little Easter egg in right now. It's it's almost uh, like you know when Agents of Shield, uh, uh, basically their entire world was blown up because of Captain America Winter Soldier. Um, so I kind of like that, like a little little like nod to it. Um, with that said, the first time that the multiverse is ever mentioned is. Uh, what's the second one called home alone no uh far <laughs> far, far from home far from no, home. Yeah. yeah yeah far from yeah. Spider-Man, home alone <laughs> um but uh but so that's the first time the multiverse is ever mentioned even before loki and all that stuff so the fact that it's really blown out in this movie it makes a lot of sense because that is the first time it's ever really approached so i think it, the placement does work a lot um <laughs> with that said it's very clear that they're like uh we need people to start coming back to the movies what is our biggest money maker unfortunately it's not going to be dr strange so like what can we do to make people come back to the theaters so they're like we have to rush this spider-man i think i really like the the placement because with all of these mcu shows 
it, it feels like, you know, because of the transition they have to make with the superheroes to the new version of the characters, that the actual stories are reflecting a lot on what it means to be each of the characters, what each of these characters bring as their own personal identity outside of the, the mantle that they're supposed to have and any of the grief that they're actually, that would affect real people in this world that, you know, kind of gets pushed in, in some of the earlier phases, feels like it's pushed down, it's not that important, or it's more of like just a random plot point. So the fact that, you know, the MCU seems depressed right now and going through something, I think actually works a lot for the major transition that they're making altogether. Um, yeah. So are there any other uh, loose things that you want to talk about? Uh, I think the one thing for me was that we got a bona fide, real representation of a Spidey sense. Uh, when uh, Peter was kicked into the astral plane, uh, we got the little waves around his head, which I thought was great. And I love that for whatever reason, he's still able to operate his body while he is astrally projected. Yeah, uh, that was so interesting, honestly. I, I don't know what's going on with that. That's pretty cool, actually. It's weird that Doctor Strange couldn't grab the whole body and then work his way to the arm, uh, that he's playing keep away with one person, which seemed really stupid, but <laughs> otherwise it was fun. Caitlin? So we didn't talk about the first uh, post-credit sequence, which was not good, but uh, I do have questions about it, and hopefully we can talk about it. But my assumption was... Sorry, could you uh, explain you it? Yeah, sure. So it's the, um, you see Eddie Brock like at a bar um, and you're trying to figure out what's going on. He's talking to the bartender and Venom, uh, Venom is talking to him as well. I always thought that like the Venom stuff was happening at the same, in the same universes where, you know, Tom Holland is Spider-Man because it's like, you know, you've got Marvel and Sony kind of, you know, you know, have a collaborative agreement to do these movies. It's a little bit of a kind of a, like a fuzzy line where certain things fall. But this movie that now canonically shows that Venom is coming from another universe in the multiverse uh, because he goes back, he gets you know transported back once the spell goes into effect. And then you see like an element of Venom, uh, maybe one of his offspring, like staying behind in, in this, on this earth. Um, so I, I didn't know, I, I didn't realize that like Venom was happening in, in, in another universe, but I guess I'm okay with that so I can ignore it even more. Yeah, they hadn't really, that confused me. They didn't really fully explain that. And I guess supposedly in the, the last Venom movie, it ended with him traveling to this universe because of yeah. this very reason. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like right now, Spider-Man is like this one the fulcrum by which two universes are happening and we're supposed to ignore the fact they're not the same universe. I don't know. Except okay. for now, for some reason, there are two Venoms or pot the possibility of two Venoms. I, I thought know they that were going to fully bring him over. But Marvel it, have the rights to Venom now, or I don't, or partial rights to Venom now. I don't quite know what's going on there. Well, it's a great way of, uh, you know, trying to deal with the fact that Sony wants to jump in this as much as possible and make as much money from, you know, these properties. But Marvel's still maintaining some creative control about, yeah, look, you guys, we'll, we'll let you show your Tom Hardy here, but. We're, we're not keeping him. We'll take a little bit of Venom and we'll do it our way. New voice, new look, whatever. What, uh, Caleb, you know, it makes me yeah. think the, it makes me think the only crossover that's actually going to happen is maybe Tom Holland, Spider-Man will go to the Sony verse, but all of their Morbius nonsense will not come over to 
the MCU. But I, I that's probably what I would guess. Yeah, that's that's, right. that's a little bit cleaner, so they can use him without like kind of making him in the MCU. I don't know, Kalen. Yeah, I was just thinking that um, um, you know how in the comics Venom is has been both Eddie Brock and Flash Thompson. What if this Venom takes over the Flash Thompson in this Marvel universe? I mean, it's a very different kind of a character, yeah. uh, but like his hero worship of Spider Man. Uh, and like the the need to be Spider-Man's best friend once he finds out about Peter Peter being Spider-Man, like I think would actually be a nice way of reconfiguring Venom for this universe. Are you you are you suggesting that actor? We have to suffer through him as a hero now. A lethal protector, an anti-hero. I, I don't need I don't need him anywhere near me. Yeah, the only thing I was actually happy about uh, with that character was when he made the deal, like, I'll help you, Peter, tell you where this MIT woman is, uh, but you have to swing me around New York. And then because Peter Parker was forgotten, we didn't have to see a scene of him actually fulfilling that promise. One quick note about that scene. Wild, because he's literally transported. I wanted them to do a throwaway scene of like, yeah, and that MIT woman was murdered by Green Goblin because you just immediately came here afterwards. Like, (laughs) he was terrorizing the same area. Um, Okay, great. I don't don't understand why he got in when the other two didn't, when he's like telegraphing this book. Like he clearly, just because he has a book about him being his best friend would not be invited to MIT either. I didn't get it. I didn't get that. I think yeah. a lot of the housewives are uh, uh, bestsellers on a New York Times. So, like, it, it makes sense, you know? I, I I also think it's because he's wealthy like the other ones aren't, and his family made, like, probably a sizable contribution to MIT. True. My main issue with the entire movie is that I don't understand the rules of not knowing Peter Parker. How, oh. did, she Ned, how did she and Ned become friends? How does she and Ned just randomly... They just like, oh, we just decided to go to this fucking war zone at the Statue of Liberty one night. It's a pretty powerful spell because all of the photographs they've taken, all of the records that they have, Peter Parker uh, wouldn't have a social security number anymore. No. Uh, all of that has to change with this spell that seems like you're tampering with a fuck ton of history and uh, documentation. So uh, I have a couple, a couple more things, uh, loose ends that I want to mention. One, uh, portrayal of Joe, Jana, Joe Jonah Jameson, I think was the best in any of the Spider-Man movies ever. Um, I love J.K. Simmons. I think, I mean, he was a, definitely a standout of the, the Sam Raimi films. But um, re, uh, redefining him, uh, recontextualizing him as a sort of a InfoWars type, uh, right. you know, muckraking journalist, like made... A thousand percent sense like and mm-hmm. i i think he definitely was a villain in his own right uh of like this guy that's like kind of you know coming for for both peter and for spider-man uh and then um I lost my well it's point, definitely but... great because it's like uh the sensationalist you know tabloids don't have as much sway as these youtube series where they're just trying to make everything like a crisis yeah no and there's a lot of overlap between two now i just remember what i was going to say uh, at the very end, we see uh, Peter's new costume as Spider-Man, and it's the most comics-accurate version mm-hmm. of a Spider-Man costume, like, on film. The, like, 
not counting the animated series or the or into the spider verse but um where it's like the kind of glittery blue shiny blue uh mixed in with the red uh i thought it looked i thought it looked cool as fuck yeah i was excited i like mm-hmm. the metallic blue yeah it's iconic uh i did like that uh peter's now getting into sewing uh you know that he's got all yeah. his free time in his hands um and that he's in the same apartment that tom hanks was in in big um, <laughs> <laughs> all right so overall what would you give the movie I- i'd give it a b plus a minus i really enjoyed it uh, there's so much i'm willing to pave over mentally but uh i i i very much enjoyed it i would say it a was... solid a for me um i think it landed on a lot of things um and yeah there's some great surprises that were uh, felt and it was um, you could have relied too much on fan service, but it actually had a lot of heart in this movie. And I think that's what is going to surprise people the most with this movie. I would also give it in probably like B plus A minus like Brent did. And I think um, I can overlook a lot of my issues that I mentioned on this podcast because movies like this and Endgame and others, it's like they feel like actual comics, you know? And I don't mean that in a cheesy way. It's like, it's great that like, this medium has allowed for stories like that that have only existed on page to be able to to be to be on screen like bringing in like different characters from different movie universes and making it work for the most part uh, making it coherent and Ryan to your point giving it heart not just making it fan servicey like is is a, is a feat I, I mean I, I want to give it a high grade but I feel I mean I'm still gonna give it a, it's a B but it's because I didn't realize how much I didn't like Tom Holland's Spider-Man as much as I thought until Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man showed up, which I didn't actually like before. I, and it's not that, a contest, Clark. It's not a that, contest. It is a contest because we're rating things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, the, so there's a good 20 minutes in there that's fucking ace. And then there's parts I, I, I went through, obviously, through all these things where, like, suddenly in my head, no, it's a C, no, it's a B. It's, it's definitely, I'll, I'll go to B. It's not medi- mediocre at all because I rate things terribly. So this is a high rating for me, but it's still not what I would have <laughs> Well, there you have it. Uh, it's at least a B, says Homer Superior <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we will be back uh, with more regular episodes and, of course, more reviews of all the MCU properties, etc. cetera. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.